And it taught me a very big lesson. Things that you are scared about are usually the things that will make you grow. From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. And that's Nina Garcia, who in addition to being the editor-in-chief of Elle magazine, serves as a judge on Project Runway. Her journey to fashion icon status was an unlikely one. She was an immigrant, came to America to get an education, fell in love with the fashion world, and worked her way to the top after starting out at the very bottom. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't really have any contacts. I had no connections. It was just a big, glamorous industry, and I didn't really see myself. There were no other Latinas doing that. There was no help. You work extra hard, and you need to prove yourself beyond the point. Throughout her career, she's shown an ability to adapt to new situations. Whether that's taking a chance on a new TV show that would later become a smash hit, working in the publishing industry at a time of massive upheaval, or staying on top of a fashion world that is built upon the idea of constant change. I like to say that agility is the new superpower because you have to be able to pivot. Before we get started, I just wanted to note that this conversation happened several months ago, before the coronavirus pandemic swept the country and before the death of George Floyd and the protests over how black people are treated in this country. So please do not take the fact that we didn't discuss those issues or the reckoning the magazine and publishing industry has had in terms of diversity and representation to mean that I don't think it's important. And we look forward to continuing those conversations in future episodes. And now, here's my conversation with Nina Garcia. Well, Nina, thanks so much for joining us. A lot of our listeners will know you from Project Runway, which has made you into something of a celebrity. That wasn't a status you sought out, but here, 15 years after the show began, you're still on the show. How is fame different than you imagined? <laughs> God, I, you know, people say, yes, it's celebrity. I still don't think that applies to me, really. And I don't think of myself as famous. You know, I stumbled on Project Runway. It stumbled into me. I really never sought it. And I am actually a very shy person. So when that opportunity came about, I was very reluctant to do it because I was, A, very scared of it. It was an unknown. It was a big chance. I was the fashion director at Elle. And I was a happy <laughs> fashion director working on print. Mm -hmm. And the notion that I would be on a fashion show on TV in an industry at that point that was so closed off was like, it could have been a disaster. And I thought it was going to be a disaster, actually. But it taught me a big lesson. And it is that you always need to take a chance. And you should say yes more than no. I did say yes, and it proved to be a huge success that opened many opportunities and gave me a bigger platform. And in a way, it kind of foreshadowed what was to come. At that point, you know, it was the democratization of fashion, but it was also in 2004 was the first time Apple launched the iPhone. And it, will ch it would change our industry forever. It would change the way print editors worked. All of a sudden, a print editor had to be able to communicate in many other platforms, not just in print. 
So it afforded me the luxury to be prepared before this onslaught of social media came mm. about. And it taught me a very big lesson. Things that you are scared about are usually the things that will make you grow. Take us through that because fashion was a closed off industry, you know, kind of people in high towers kind of deciding what was fashion was going to be like in the next, the trends. Nowadays, obviously, there are many people online who are, you know, quote unquote influencers. I'm curious at how you at L see setting trends, influencing the fashion world and how that has changed? You know, it is exciting. I think that people think, oh, well, print and L is a print. I don't see L as just a print magazine. It really is a brand. I think the fact that we have such an enormous platform with digital and with print is only a more opportunity to get even more eyeballs on this brand. You know, change is so much part of the business culture today that I, I like to say that agility is the new superpower because you have to be able to pivot and to move so quickly to kind of tackle all these obstacles and make them into an opportunity. And we have created these synergies in our covers and our events. The brand has evolved in so many ways. And we have our synergies with women in music, mm -hmm. women in Hollywood. This year, we are leaning for women in politics. So it is going to be a great year for us. But the fact that we have an audience of women and that we can speak to them directly is very empowering. Talk to us a little bit about that. Women in politics. Obviously, it's going to be a big year, 2020, the presidential. Uh, the midterms was huge for women at the federal level. More women are in Congress than ever before. But politics can also be a touchy topic. When you decide to get political, what's your thought process? How do you make sure you're not turning off part of your readership because maybe they have a different political slant or view? God, we, we have that we have that conversation all the time. How can we report on what is happening in our nation and have a bipartisan view? We try to report on it and not, I mean, we, tr we how can I say this without being political? But no, we f I feel very strongly as an editor of this magazine that we do need to report on both sides mm -hmm. of what is happening in politics. And it's a conversation that we have every day with our other editors because it's touchy. We might have our own perspective and our own opinions, sure. but it is important to report on all of them. I find it interesting because, Al, I've interviewed a lot of editors-in-chief of different magazines and some totally take it off the table, right? But this is kind of core to Al and I think makes it a little bit different in just the kind of women's space in magazines has that always been core or is that something that kind of you feel like from your perspective that is just That has important? always been core mm -hmm. to the magazine. It really is about, this magazine is really about presenting women that are in, that are inspiring. And we are supportive of all of women's issues. Mm -hmm. So it is very core to the magazine and this year in particular. But I don't ever want to feel that I am reporting, I am taking any woman down. I don't want to be a magazine that will take a woman down. I want to take a step back. Before you started in the fashion industry or studied in Paris, you grew up in Colombia. What did your parents do? Oh, wow. Um, my father was in the import business in Colombia. I grew up in Barranquilla, an industrial port on the northwestern tip of South America. 
It's a small town, but it was an important town because it's where everything comes in. It was an interesting time to grow up in Colombia because there were a lot of the there was a lot of unrest in the company in the country. The drug, the cartel, and the drug wars, the FARC, the Revolutionary Party. There were kidnappings. It was a little bit like the Wild West. And my father had two girls, and he really thought that we that education was very important to him. So I think he took the opportunity that it was so dangerous to be living in the country at that time and afforded us the opportunity to come and study in the States. So I came to America when I was 15 by myself. My parents stayed in Colombia and I went to an all-girls school. And that experience of growing up in kind of studying in an all-girls school really shaped so much of who I am today because it really gave me the perspective of kind of growing up with a community of women and our voices were heard. It was an all-girls school and everybody's opinion really mattered. Coming here as an immigrant also resonates so much for me today because it was not easy. Yes, I came to school on a, you know, a student visa, but at one point I had to tackle if I wanted to stay in this country, how was, was I going to be able to do that? And that, that was not easy. It's not easy to be immigrant and, and get a job here. When did you become aware that you were attracted to fashion, that that was going to be, were you always fashionable or was, were you drawn to it by a certain moment? I think I was very fortunate that I had a North Star very early on. I, I did love it. Barranquilla was the kind of the gateway into Colombia. So we would get the fashion magazines early. And there was only one hotel in Barranquilla. And that was the, the one hotel where, you know, the magazines came once a month. And I would, you what know. What was your favorite magazine at that time? What would you look oh at? Oh, my God. I would look at all the the French Vogue. Yeah. We would get French Vogue back then. There was another magazine that was called Vanidades that was a South American magazine. And I obviously also looked at Elle. We did travel a lot, so I was able to kind of experience fashion. But it was, yes, having a North Star is, I knew it. I knew that it made me very focused. It made me very passionate about what I wanted to do. Now, no, but not everyone has that. It's really a journey. And even if you don't have a North Star, I think it's interesting also to, you know, to kind of investigate and have an opportunity to have an internship or dabble in things that interest you until you find what it is that you really want to do. You mentioned you're shy. That's not Something we often associate with kind of the fashionistas of the world. Are there tips or are there things that you've done to try to kind of get beyond that as a leader? When well, you're I've had to get beyond it on TV. <laughs> I, I mean, it was like sink or swim, basically. But how do you overcome that? Well, again, saying yes. First, let's start by saying yes. Saying yes to invitations. Saying yes to events. Saying yes to opportunities. You network. You get to know people. It's like it's like being a child and being thrown to go to the playground and make friends. Mm -hmm. And those friends or peers, it's like building blocks, right? So you have this interest in fashion. You studied in Paris and New York. So I studied. I came to 
study here for high school. Then I moved, I went to BU for my bachelor's. Then I moved to Paris for a short time because obviously my interest was fashion. Mm -hmm. But then I came back to New York. I really thought that New York was the center of fashion. I wanted to live in the city. I went to FIT. I graduated from FIT. Um, while at FIT, I Again, going back to the fact that I was an immigrant and I was here as a student visa, I wanted to have as many internships and I wanted to have as many possibilities of job opportunities, even if it was an internship. I just wanted to know what the business was about. And I suggest this for anybody that is pursuing a career. It's just you, you do, you have your internships, you you know what, you get to have a sense of what you like. So I had internships in retail and marketing and PR and suddenly it clicked right? I had an internship at uh, Mark Jacobs and I got to meet, I had to meet the editors that would come in to see the collection mm -hmm. from Perry Ellis, where Mark was the designer at the time. And it all of a sudden clicked. And it was through those internships and that network that I got an opportunity to have my first foot in the door. Once you graduate, you have one year to have a practical training and work in the US without being paid, obviously. And I had the opportunity to land this internship through my contacts at Perry Ellis. I got my first opportunity to have an internship and I had to work really hard. It, I had to really prove that I, I wanted them to hire me. Right. I mean, you're at FIT. How did you know that you were in, obviously interested in fashion, but you weren't going to be a designer. Did that, was that a hard process or did, did you just always kind of know that wasn't the route in this no, big industry? No, I didn't know that. I did think, at, you know, again, like I said, you say, you say fashion and it equals designer. At one point I reconciled with the fact that, guess what? I might not be a designer, but what is it? What part of this enormous industry do I want to go into? The focus for me was really, the passion was this is what I want to do. Once I figured out it, it was going to be publishing, it was just, you know, I was young, but it, there was, I was just in heaven to be able to, to have the possibility to work in a magazine. So there were no, you know, weekends didn't matter if I didn't have weekends, if I wasn't parties, it was, my focus was really, I was going to make it. And I was going to be the best at my job because I also wanted them to say, you know what, we're going to sponsor your visa and we're going to give you an opportunity. And that was huge. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't really have any contacts. I had no connections. It was just a big, glamorous industry. And I didn't really see myself. There were no other Latinas doing that. There, were, there, was, no, there was no help in that industry. So it was really, you work really, you work extra hard and you need to Prove yourself beyond the point. Talk about that a little bit. We, on this podcast, talk to women in all different facets, whether it's entrepreneurs in big industries like this or in politicians about work-life balance. And oftentimes women, when they are breaking through in industries, have to work harder, working on weekends or networking as much as they can. Mm -hmm. How have you either found, do you believe in work-life balance? Is a conversation that we have a lot on this podcast about of how course. do you Yes, there is a work-life life balance, but it's an ebb and a flow and it doesn't all happen immediately. Obviously, when you are starting off and when I was starting off, there was no work, there was no life. <laughs> my right. life was really my work. And 
in a way, I postponed having my kids for a long time because my career took center stage. But there comes a point where you hit a level in your career where you can have that opportunity, where you 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 have more leeway to have a life, to have a family. It's just a a matter of patience and a matter of you know, also getting into, I'm not saying that every job is like that, but, but you find an opportunity. Maybe you have to switch gears a little bit, mm-hmm. but you, you can find a, an opportunity where you are, you're growing and you can have that work balance, but it is not easy. Even, even today, it's not easy. You really have to, you have to work, work at, at the work. <laughs> yes. yes. But I, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to discourage women that it's all in and there's never a, an opportunity to have a family. No, of course there will be. Maybe at the beginning is not ideal. And it depends on the kind of work that you, you aspire to do. If you are a, I don't know, a journalist reporting and traveling all the time, perhaps it's not ideal, but you kind of pivot. And you make, you know, you go into some other field, you have to be creative and you have to be flexible. You have a vision for Elle as a platform and a voice for women's issues. Can you talk about that? And what is your vision? What does that mean to you? You know, Elle has always been a brand that when it first came to the United States, it was really bold. It was democratic. It was irreverent. But always from the beginning, it has really been about women's freedom, women's perspective, and supporting other women. And now more than ever, I think it is so important for us. I mean, now with the Me Too movement, with what is happening for women in the world, now more than ever, this brand needs to be the voice for that. So it is obviously for us center stage to be supporting, to be highlighting women that are inspiring, that inspire us, that break the mold, that take chances, that are bold, not only in fashion, but in in politics, in art, in music. Last question. I want you to put your fashion editor hat on for a second. DC often gets knocked for its bad fashion. (laughs) I feel like there's been making some strides lately, but I'd be interested in what is your piece of advice for, you know, women in Washington who are in politics who want to be more fashionable. What's what's the one or two things to to think about? Oh my God! Well, this is a great opportunity because really, I mean, suits and suiting and tailoring has never been so in style. Perhaps inspired <laughs> by the fact that we do have so many women in politics and so many women in power at the moment. So there's a lot of choices. But I do what I do think is that we cannot beat ourselves up to be to be so fashion. Men have had it so easy for so long. They wear, you know, they have their suits and they wear them. Find what you like, ladies. It could be two or three outfits and that's your go-to uniform. And it is okay to repeat. I do it all the time and I have access to everything and anything. But I am busy. I'm a mother. I'm running this magazine. I'm doing so many other things. I have three or four outfits that work for me and I will keep, I will invest in those pieces. Once I buy some, I might buy less, but I will invest more in them and I will wear them repeatedly. And I know they're my go-to uniform. So just take three or four pieces that work for you, invest in them, and that's what you wear. 
that becomes your uniform. All right. Nina, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Women Rule is produced by Zach Stanton. Irina Gucci is the executive producer of Politico Audio. Special thanks to Bob Ald for helping us out with the recording in New York. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at apalmerdc. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 668 